0: Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye on another Thursday. Uh, first of all, I wanna to apologize to everyone. Uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters was gonna be our first guest this, uh, this afternoon. And uh, her first job is was in Washington, DC. And with everything that's happening, she's been called in a lot of different areas right now because what we see with what's happening with the continuous killings of blacks for the least of reasons, And uh, I have yet to hear of a a white man being accidentally killed by a police officer. And you might recall that Dylan Floyd uh, down Mother Emanuel killed nine people in a prayer uh, meeting, including the pastor. And on his way to jail, he was taken by Burger King to get a hamburger. And I've also have very rarely hear of even mass shooters who happen to be white uh, that are killed uh, like uh, blacks are for a uh, uh, air freshener hanging over your rear window, or tail light being out, and even in uh, Martin Luther King Jr. County, to have a five foot four inch, hundred twenty pound Vietnamese kid who claimed people were claiming it was a threat that he had a knife, and uh, the sheriff says that uh, by them shooting him three times, twice in the back, that he saved lives. He ended up having a, a pen in his hand, not no pen you could stab with, a writing pen. So we have our share in this area as well. But I, I uh, we do have Representative Jesse Weinberry on the line. And I wanted him to comment on the Derek Chauvin verdict. What's happened since then, too, because uh, it seems to me that every time the police shoot at a black person to shoot to kill, it seems to me if a young lady 16 had a knife, that if you shot her in the leg or an arm, it would have been a lot better than killing her. And I think if you shot her in the leg or the arm, she would have dropped a knife and incapacitated her. But it's unfortunate when we keep seeing these incidents over and over. So, our representative, former Representative Attorney Jesse Weinberry, uh, I'd like to have you comment on the current state of affairs between the police and the killings of black people.
1: Well, what we have, uh, Eddie, first of all, thank you for for having me on, and, and thank you, Hayward, as well. Uh, what we have here is uh, less than 48 hours, uh, from, and le- really less than 24 hours in terms of the uh the the 16 year old who was killed uh, from the time that the verdict was rendered where uh, a police officer was found uh, guilty of uh, second degree murder third degree murder manslaughter sent uh, right now awaiting sentence of 75 years I think uh, uh, Derek chauvin is 45 years old that would put him out of that would put him in prison for uh the rest of his life uh, he would be 120 years old uh, if he lived that long and and we have uh, uh over 120 african american people who have been killed in just the last 5 years and and this and it's still going and and it's a, it's amazing to see Another country like the United Kingdom, where the vast majority of the of the police and in in England don't even carry any guns and the crime is less. And so, you know, what's the real reason why for a traffic stop or or a a youngster wielding a knife that uh, our answer always has to be death? To, to anyone who has a taillight, anyone whose uh, license tab is expired, uh, they must die for that. Uh, a $20 bill that is questionable, whether it's, it's, it's uh, uh, a real $20 bill or a counterfeit $20 bill, that the answer has to be death when it comes to people who are African American. Uh, that, that's, that's, the, that's the challenge we have in this country. Um, and, and other countries are, have found a way to deal with it uh, a long time ago, and and the answer is not every uh, dispute or infraction uh, necessitates uh, a deadly weapon.
0: Very true, and people now are talking about, uh, you know, and it seems to me that in the training, uh, I guess it's just a different standard when it comes down to police confrontation with, with blacks, uh, but it just seems to me that, you know rather than shoot to kill you know i mean how come you just can't incapacitate someone i guess is that the only i mean i just i I just can't understand uh the blatant disregard for human life over some of the most minor infractions ever and the fact is that you know it's like the che taylor incident uh i'm still trying to figure out they said he had a gun but also we've seen other uh, cops drop uh, weapons and stuff on people. And all I can say is thank God for cameras, because it had not been for these cameras, it would have been the police officer's word or the cops' word against the citizens' word. So, and these cameras are really making a difference. We see the same thing down in Tacoma with the Manuel Ellis' case, which uh, Jonathan uh, uh, Johnson, the president of Tacoma NAACP, so I'll talk about that a little later in the hour. But uh, so, uh, now, what do you think it's going to take? Uh, now, you know the states are saying states' rights; they don't want to have uh, uh, any federal law regulating them. But I think we have a different opportunity with the Biden administration. What can be done at the national level to curtail this uh, out this this violence against uh, our blacks by cops? Well, a lot, yeah, a lot of the components
1: that you're talking about that you're mentioning uh, are included in the George Floyd. Uh, uh, Justice and Policing Act, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Congresswoman Waters and and other members of Congress have now have to devote uh, every waking hour to making sure the votes are counted to to pass uh, that bill. It's already passed in the House, and now obviously it's an uphill climb in the Senate. But that's where the people around this country, and that includes the state of Washington need to be uh, putting pressure on their U.S. senators to pass the George Floyd uh, p- uh, uh, Justice and Policing Act because it changes the game uh, uh, in, in one piece of legislation rather than waiting on 50 states to get around to passing legislation, which can take years, decades a life, to finally uh, bring what is licensed murder to an end.
0: And I, I see we're uh, in uh, North Carolina, uh, that another killing of, uh, of a black man uh, by a police, uh, but the police won't release uh, the body cam. So this thing gets to be really interesting. But uh, we're going to also be talking with Carolyn Riley Payne, President of the King County NAACP. Uh, we're going to be talking with Ed Prince, too, on the Commission on African American Affairs. And then Jonathan Johnson, President of Tacoma, CLA, obviously be at the end of the hour. So, Jesse, what I want to do now is go to the fact that First of all, you uh, you sponsored the legislation. You the, uh, sponsored the legislation that created the commission or uh, the Washington State Commission on African American Affairs, and uh, in that, uh, in creating that that entity, uh, that was in 1994. Actually,
1: it was in 1992. And the the irony of it is that uh, two people <laughs> who were sponsors of that legislation are still working together uh, to this day. I was the uh, the lead sponsor, and uh, one of my co-sponsors was uh, a guy by the name of uh, Jay Inslee, uh, who was uh, uh, with me in the House of Representatives and, of course, is now our, our three-term governor. And so the two of us uh, worked with other legislators to create what was then only the second African-American Affairs Commission uh, state office in, in America. Now, since that time, more and more states have followed our lead, but we were one of the first to create an African-American Affairs Commission that, that devoted full-time effort, 24-7, 365, to advocating uh, the needs and interests uh, uh, for African-Americans.
0: I want to see if, uh, if Hayward has a question or comment about the commission. You know, Jesse. Too. What I'm going to ask
2: about the commissioner. I'm going to go back to that that guy who just got sentenced. Is there a mandatory sentencing, or is that at the discretion of the judge?
1: It's at, he will come back for for a sentencing hearing, and the judge will decide uh, how much of that. I think I said forty years for second degree murder, twenty five years for third degree, and another ten years for manslaughter. So you're looking at Uh, uh, what is that, 75, 75 years.
2: Are those mandatory minimums or, again, at at the discretion of the judge?
1: Yeah, it's all sentencing, uh, most sentencing at the state level, particularly criminal justice sentencing, uh, provides judicial discretion. But they, but, uh, and I don't know exactly what kind of a schedule they have in Minnesota, but in Washington state uh they have some uh uh limitations they can't take it down to zero they can uh require a a parole review a board a, a parole board review after certain years to determine whether the um, uh, the convicted felon uh is going to get time off but it always starts with what the uh what the state law has put out there as the, uh, the maximum sentence. And of course, the, the numbers I've given you are the maximum sentences for each of those crimes.
2: And how does the appeal process work?
1: Well, the appeal process in, in any criminal uh, 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 trial, is de- it is dependent, and a lot of people think you can just appeal because you don't agree with the outcome. No, you must find procedural or judicial error in the course of the trial. And so all of these people who are saying, well, you know, Congresswoman Maxine Waters could, could uh, cause an appeal, that wasn't a procedural error in the trial. That wasn't a judicial error. And those are the limitations on a, uh, that a defense uh, uh, counsel has on appeal. Uh, I doubt, and uh, obviously, you know, we don't know for sure, but I doubt that you're going to see an appeal filed. I didn't hear that they were uh, 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 acknowledging or even claiming any judicial or procedural error at this point.
2: Okay, I'm going to go now to the Commission on African American Affairs. Where do you think we stand now, especially in light of the fact that we don't have an affirmative action program for particularly descendants of the African American uh, enslaved? Where are we going?
1: Well, I think I think uh, we have an opportunity, an unprecedented opportunity before us uh, with the with the uh, judicial. I'm sorry, with the governor's uh, executive order, Uh, the executive order that that we have proposed to him is entitled uh, an equity for all executive order. Uh, We are going to be meeting very soon within a week uh, with his uh, top staff. Uh, to talk about uh, the components of that order. And we've already received word back from the governor and his staff that they are actually in agreement with uh, a number of the uh, uh, components of our proposal. And so uh, that is definitely to uh, return affirmative action as it should have been returned uh, 23 years ago uh, uh, and would have been returned, I believe, but for the issuance of a, of a governor's directive in 1998 that instructed uh, all of the state agencies, all of the cities and counties and school districts and port commissions and and every governmental entity to enforce an affirmative action policy that was a whole lot uh, a whole lot more strict than what the law itself even even required so we are going to be encouraging the governor to uh, uh, correct the implementation of the law and, and also uh, to uh, compensate uh, many of those uh, African-American and other entrepreneurs of color who have been penalized and in some cases economically devastated by the incorrect implementation of the law. And, and
2: so from, from that perspective, can, can you just give the listenership an idea of what might come out of this executive order?
1: Well, number one, uh, legislation can take years, <laughs> and executive order becomes immediate as soon as the governor signs it, that day, that minute. And and we will be moving forward with uh, uh, affirmative action like, like 47 uh, of the other states have it, where race and gender can be a factor. And uh, someone getting a college education, someone getting a job, someone getting a contract, sometimes million-dollar contracts, Uh, we will begin seeing uh, the unemployment, I mean, the employment of African Americans and other people of color rise. We will be able to see more and more women owning their own business and creating jobs. Uh, This is – that's the upside. The downside is that an executive order is not permanent law. So we still have to continue to move uh, and work with the governor's office to to introduce uh, governor-exec-request exec legislation in this coming session to make sure that the legislature puts in place the, ter- the terms of this executive order, but in a permanent law, in permanent statute. and uh, And I'm highly optimistic that the governor and uh, uh those of us in the community and and those legislators who believe in justice and equity will be um eager to put the governor's executive order into permanent law
0: okay so we have a key person in, in now as the director of uh, the office of equity uh in the governor's office and uh, dr karen johnson who's been a staunch advocate for fairness equality for all since i've known her and it's good to have her there uh but uh I guess uh, there are some other topics that I, we want to talk about, but I think we've we've covered the things that, that need to be covered. But I really want, just wanted to uh, t- uh, talk a little bit more about the responsibilities of the commission. And other, also, it's my understanding now that there are co- a couple of vacancies on the commission. And I'm concerned about, uh, I know there was one black person on there who claimed she wasn't African-American. And I thought the commission on African-American affairs was to represent the interests of African Americans, so I'm really concerned about that as well. Because if someone don't identify with, you know, being an African American, I mean, you know, maybe there should be another commission for some other people. But we certainly can't afford to have people occupying a seat that be advocating for African Americans, uh, claiming not to be an African American. And then so, uh, you know, I I, have, I just have a problem with that, and uh, I will take that up with. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ed Prince will be on uh, today. But I'm also going to take that up with the governor when we talk. You just can't because somebody have black skin, no mean they're an African descendant of the United States enslaved. There's a big difference between the black folks who've been here 400 years, as my daughter said, built this joint for free, as opposed to everyone else. I'm not against anybody else being treated fairly or equitably. But I know every time there's a minority business program, African descendants end up with hardly any participation like we're doing right now and very little advocacy, unfortunately, from within the various public agencies. And that's been from the top down. If you look at the numbers, who can you blame? It has to come from the top down and hopefully we can change some minds. So uh, uh, Representative Attorney Jesse Weinberry, and we really appreciate all the work that you've been doing. So uh, give our listeners uh, a little, as a matter of fact, why don't you, I want you to shout out at one of the people that you need to uh, get on board. I know she is. Carolyn Riley Payne, are you on the line? I am. Okay, Carolyn Riley Payne is the president of Seattle King County, the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. County branch of the NAACP. Uh, we still have Jesse Wineberry on the line. Congressman Waters had a last-minute change to take care of the people's business, which I fully understand. But uh, Representative Weinberg was just going over uh, the... Uh, uh, the executive order, and I know as the NAACP voted on that, uh, Madam President, have you reviewed that information yet? The executive order that uh, Representative, former Representative Jesse, w- Attorney Jesse Weinberry, is working with uh, Rochelle Davis, uh, Dr. Karen Johnson, the Equity Office, and others in the Governor's Office to create an executive order that would include us and kind of restore affirmative action.
3: Yeah. So uh,
0: have you received, did I send you that information yet?
3: No, you have not. I have not received that information, but I'm aware of of that executive order that they're trying to get assigned by the governor.
0: Okay, so Jesse Weinberg, will you take a few minutes and just go over the highlights for the president of the NAACP, so she can let her thousands of members know what they need to do next? Well, first of all, th- thank
1: you, uh, uh, President Riley Payne, for 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 joining us and for your uh, advocacy and leadership. Uh, uh, as I say, 24-7, 365, I mean, you are one of those <laughs> warriors on the front lines, and I thank you uh, for being there. But uh, uh, just to recap, uh, the the Seattle-King uh, County chapter of the NAACP has been uh, with us in this movement 100 uh, uh, percent, led uh, by uh, President Riley Payne. Uh, And uh, they were with us for initiative 1300, which contains a lot of the of the uh, uh, principles of uh, restoring affirmative action, diversity, equity and inclusion uh, in Washington state. And uh, I am highly confident (laughs) that they will be supportive (laughs) of the executive order because uh, the, the governor's staff has indicated that uh, they've already heard from members of the NAACP. Uh, I don't know if they're King County members uh, who, are, who are very eager yeah. to see this executive order signed. And so we will be working with them. I just want to do a shout-out, though, yeah. if you remind me when you bring the NAACP in, to the young people who uh, may have saved my life uh, a few years ago when, when I was uh, uh, accosted by uh, six police officers down near the, uh, uh, the baseball stadium. And uh, they kept their cameras rolling. And there was a point where a police officer screamed out, uh, get your hands off my gun belt. And I didn't have my hands anywhere near his gun belt, but I learned later that that was code for the police to shoot. And I believe had those young people not been holding up their cell phones, and continuing to keep filming, that I may not be alive today. And one of those uh, uh, persons uh, was a young member of the NAACP that was going with us during that uh, congressional campaign to put up yard signs. And uh, 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 I I, I thank the, the, the next generation, and it's one of the reasons why I believe uh, President Riley Payne and I and you and Hayward are fighting so hard to keep the doors open for them. These opportunities that we're fighting for when it comes to business, contracting, education and employment, uh, we're not trying to get a job at this point. We're not trying to get education. We have that. We're, we're paving the way for the next generation, and, uh, and, uh, and that's why our work will never be in vain.
3: And that's why our work uh, not not only will not be in vain, but must continue. We have to continue the work that we that's been started for that very reason. Because the younger generation, they don't really understand all that goes into making this possible. This just the, these uh, opportunities just don't happen. It's work, and we all are working towards making sure that the opportunities are there and not only the opportunities, but they get the jobs, they get, um, whatever it is that they're looking, trying to get. So I, um, and if, as far as the executive orders, it, it's amazing to me that in this day and time, it is so hard for people to want to sign affirmative action for affirmative action. What is, what is that? What am I missing?
0: I would say racism.
3: (laughs) Well, (laughs) racism has always been here, but we've all, but, and we've, uh, and it's been hard and we fought the fight, affirmative action, et cetera. But it's, this is, um, this is mind boggling. And this, this is 2021, but I guess it shouldn't be because of the, uh, of the way, um, things are happening. We're still getting killed. We're still not getting jobs. We're still not getting contracts. So I guess um, affirmative action will always be needed.
0: And you're absolutely right. So, uh, uh, Carol, why don't you share with us uh, what are some of the priorities right now that the the Seattle uh, branches NAACP is engaged in right now?
3: Well, you know, um, one of the main things we're engaged in is the, uh, uh, trying to get a vaccine in everybody's arm at, that want it. And not, not just those that want it, but everybody. We're trying to make sure that the facts and information that people have is, uh, is what they need to make good decisions about getting the vaccine. This Saturday, we're having an NAACP vaccine day uh, at Rainier Beach at the uh, boat launch. Uh, we want people to come out. we are working um to uh with uh a police accountability uh the well trying to bring wealth back into the community so we are we are all we are doing the same things that we've always done which uh in terms of uh being on uh, trying to make sure we the selection of the police um is a good one. When we get to that point, we can't wait till the, uh, re, uh, the recruitment starts to be at the table talking about what we are looking for and what we need, and looking at reimagining the uh, police department and the, what we want in our community, policing in our community, and how we want that to, what we want that to look like. So we are um, actively, once again, always seeking. Um, memberships to come out and we'll be a part of the solution by helping us work this work is uh this is a volunteer organization and uh we need people to come and roll up their sleeves write legislation help us write letters help us write policy uh and and things like that so we are always open and looking for that and that's what we're working on we're working on like i said legislation and policies and trying to just make sure that everybody's civil rights is taken care of and in place and not abused.
0: Can you uh, give uh, our listeners the contact information for the NAACP for them to volunteer or get additional information?
3: Oh, sure. Um, Always, you can always uh, go to the uh, website in Seattle King County, NAACP. Um, You can uh, call us. At uh, 206-324-6600, leave a message, uh, and you'll get a a call back. Uh, You can put in a a call back form on our website. Everything we do is on our website. So you can always find out where we are and what is happening by going to uh, our website, Seattle King County NAACP. Not can here. I put
1: in can I put in another plug for, for Madam President?
3: Go right ahead. Uh
1: there's young people out there listening to us right now, and you know good and well that you are where you are, partially because of this woman. Because President Riley Payne, before she was president, she was over the NAACP AXO program that moved forth hundreds, possibly thousands of young people throughout Seattle and King County in terms of, 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 of talent, in terms of uh, academic uh, uh, excellence, in terms of scholarships. And uh, we hope that you remember the bridges you came across <laughs> so that you can now turn back and help make sure those bridges exist for other young people coming behind you. And the way you do that is getting involved in becoming members of the NAACP and getting uh, uh, engaged in saving lives as as they're doing with the uh, with the covid vaccinations and uh, uh, reimagining police. I mean, these are the are the inroads for you to become leaders of 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 uh, tomorrow's uh, Seattle, tomorrow's Washington State, tomorrow's King County. And so just remember the bridge you came across uh, and uh, 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 reach back and and help build those bridges for the next generation.
0: Okay, then. I want to thank, uh, thank you. Uh, t- Attorney Jesse Weinberry, leading the uh, effort for the Executive order to bring back fairness to us, in Washington State, Carolyn Riley Payne. you're right about Axel, because Angela Rye was a member of... Uh, participant in AXO, uh, Dr. Quentin Morris, uh, Sean Spearman, and the yep. numbers go on and on. Many attorneys, including judges and engineers and other successful individuals that went through the AXO program. So thank both of you very much. Carol Riley Payne, let us know when you got something coming up. And uh, Attorney Jesse Weinberg, we want to make sure you keep our listeners posted on uh, how close we're getting back to getting fairness and equity in Washington State for Black folks. So we'll talk to both of you guys later. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you you so much. Okay, Eric, we're gonna take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this.
4: Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, Visit lease.ctacshops.com.
5: Why sit in bumper to bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport. Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org And type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress.
4: Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Granddaddy Ryan, Hayward Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest, Commissioner Ed Prince, Brenton City Councilmember Ed Prince. President of the Sound Cities Association, Ed Prince. And Ed oh, has you. a whole closet of hats to wear and definitely a leader in this area because nobody else has that many responsibilities and I'm glad you're able to keep up with all of them. But uh, Ed Prince is also, we just, you just heard your Sound Transit commercial. He's at a Sound Transit board meeting right now. Don't tell anybody. He's snuck out to get on the phone. But uh, anyway, uh, that, was a, that was Eric did a, a good one to play to have that Sound Transit uh, commercially plays every, every week. I want you to know that it repeats on, (laughs) on, repeats on, repeats on Saturday morning. And then Eric will tell you it's also archived. So, uh, that commercial available 24/7. but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, I know you're uh, doing your sound transit business, but there's so much information. And I guess a lot of, uh, of, uh, talk about around the commission. And I won't talk about no one specific commissioner, but I uh, just had Jesse Weinberg on. You know, in 1992, I thought it was 94, that uh, he uh, sponsored legislation to create the commission on African American affairs in Washington State. And uh, I'm just saying, from the in from, what is your perspective right now? I know that you know you guys serve the pleasure of the governor, but are you able to twist uh, uh, various department heads' arms and make sure they're doing business with the black community? I am able
6: to – you know, I, I'm able to engage in conversation. I don't want to say twist arms because I think it can have – it can be taken in a negative connotation. But I am absolutely able to engage in conversation um, and have in the past uh, to make sure that uh, state agencies are, are working with the uh, African-American community.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. Why don't you give our listeners an idea of what the responsibilities are, and uh, the purview in terms of of uh, of uh, the uh, the commission itself. I mean, so what are good. what are their objectives? What are their responsibilities? And uh, what do they operate on? Do they have a work plan, goals that they want to accomplish, and in what areas? So you just highlight uh, some of that. you do not going to go into a lot of detail, but. An idea. So the commission
6: advises the governor, the state legislature, and state agencies on issues, policies, and practices impacting the African-American community across the state of Washington. Um, we have nine commissioners dis- uh, dispersed across the state, and their role is really to be the ears of the communities that they come from um, and to use what they hear from their communities to inform uh, the commission. Commission works in three main areas: um, economic security, and there's sub areas under that that I'll go into in a moment. Education and reimagining public safety and public health. And so, in public, uh, in uh, economic security, we're talking about supporting black-owned business. Uh, we're talking, you know, what I'm getting ready to vote here in one minute. So, if you hear a pause, it's because they're calling my name. So, it's supporting black-owned businesses.
0: Okay, we know that uh, Ed Prince is at a sound transit board meeting. And he said if he had to pause for a minute, they must be calling his name. So, Hey, what, what did you get out of the conversation earlier with Representative Weinberry about the commission itself? You
2: know, what, what I got is that the commission is charged to, to make sure that, that we're doing well as a community and the people, not just in business, but in employment, education, anything that relates to improving the quality of life for the descendants of the African-American enslaved, that's supposed to be their task. And, and the priorities need to be set up as making sure, like Jesse was alluding to earlier. What about all those businesses, and you always talk about it, all the people that fell to the wayside that got messed over by some of those general contractors?
0: Well, not only that, the misinterpretation of I-200. If you look at what John Carlson had on the voters pamphlet, it says it was eliminate gender and racial preferences. I'm, I'm back, Eddie. Go ahead. Okay, Commissioner, uh, the Executive Director of the Commission of Affairs, Ed Prince, is back with us. So go right ahead, sir.
6: And so, yeah, under economic develop, uh, economic security, like I was saying, we're talking about uh, wealth generation, supporting black-owned business, uh, banking, uh, reparations, and under education, we're talking about K-12 education, technical and vocational training, post-secondary education in STEM fields, um, and reimagining public safety and public health. We're talking about police and policing reform, food insecurity, strengthening the TANF program, COVID-19, and climate justice. And so we have been, and I got to hear a little bit of what you were saying, Um, we have had, I've had a number of conversations with the folks at DOT and DES about what's been happen with, happening with some of these contractors. I um, uh, just heard today that the director of DES uh, is going to retire on June 1st, so it's going to be important that we get someone in that role that understands how vital it is to to work with African-American contractors.
0: Okay, and now uh, in terms of uh, the COVID-19 where does that have us? And what are the plans in terms of, of a returning folks to school? Or are they going to return? We also hear now that uh, in a couple of uh, counties, uh, they've had to go back a phase. I think in Pierce County, they Pierce to County step back.
6: have to roll back a phase. And we're all hopeful that King County doesn't have to roll back a phase. Um, I really think, as far as going back to school full time, it's going to depend on what the numbers look like, you know, and what the numbers look like this summer. Um, and what the vaccination rates look like. Um, I know about a month ago, I had a meeting with the new Secretary for, of Health, um, and they're really, really looking at the numbers closely, you know, still dealing with the science, trying to make sure people are staying safe, uh, people are still with social distancing and wearing their masks. Um, but the big concern with COVID-19 for the commission has been, A, two-pronged, one, A, making sure African-Americans know that they can get vaccinated or access into vaccine. Um, and B is trying to make sure that money that department of commerce has for businesses that have been hurt um, because of COVID-19 are being accessed by black owned businesses.
0: The ones that's left after I had 200. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's another sad situation. So uh, in terms of, you know, as you know, uh attorney jesse winberry has been working with rochelle davis and others in the governor's office to work out an executive order although we know some people said i-200 and affirmative uh, action could wait until next year well the people i know uh, and see and talk to say brother whatever you can do right away would be a great relief uh, they don't have jobs they don't have contracts they can't afford to wait until next year to get into the university or for their students, their kids getting get to the University of Washington or some other institution. They're currently closing the doors because they're Black. Uh, because people uh, have read that, exec, uh, that the governor's directive 9801, which really killed the primitive action. And uh, yeah. I think uh, I-200 has been misapplied. And I agree with uh, Representative, uh, I mean, Attorney Jesse Weinberry uh, that the door is open for people to, to have some relief because of, What they've experienced. So, but uh, I just wanted to say, brother, I really appreciate the job that you're doing, and uh, how can people get information on the Commission on African American Affairs?
6: Uh, Really didn't get it. uh, The best way is to email me. I always uh, have my email on me. Uh, My email address is ed.print at caaa.wa.gov.
0: Okay, and we'll make sure that we put that up on the urban forum, Northwest website. So people who are generally interested can get in touch with you. Now, the other thing is that uh, uh, the commission is all across the state. Uh, Is it based on population or is this based on geographic location? Geographic location. Okay. So uh, how many commissioners do you have right now?
6: Right now we have seven commissioners.
0: And you're supposed to have how many? Nine. So two, where are the two vacancies? What area, geographic areas, are those? So the, when the
6: governor's office appoints, they don't really. There's not a seat for like eastern Washington. There's not a seat for Snohomish County. There's not a seat for Southwest Washington. It just mm-hmm. is based on where the need is and okay. uh, what we have, where we have applicants from. Uh, okay, so the okay, now I'm
0: in Martin Luther King Jr. County and the Black Collective is in Pierce County. So I'd like to know, are there any other vacancies in King or Pierce County?
6: Um, we just lost two commissioners from King County, but we still have, let's see, one, two, we still have three commissioners uh, from King County. So, And uh, I believe all three of them are in South King County. Um, and we have two commissioners in Pierce County, um, our chair, uh, Will Hauser and uh, Dorian Waller.
0: Okay. Yeah, I see Dorian all the time. So, okay, well, uh, executive director, Commissioner on African American Affairs, we're ready to get on the line right now. You might want to say hello. Put John, President Jonathan Johnson on for a minute with, with Ed Prince. President Johnson, are you on? I sure am. How are you doing, Eddie? i find fine. The other Ed is on the line with us, uh, the Executive Director of the Commission on African American Affairs. Uh, Ed Prince is on. I want him to say he's at a sound transit board meeting, but Jonathan, I want him to say hi to you. I know you guys will be working together.
7: Absolutely. Good to see you. Good to hear you, Will, and uh, and uh, a good uh, organization down in, in, in Olympia, the uh, uh, African American Commission. Thank you. So
0: Ed, he, Ed Prince is on the line right now with you. I just want you to say hello to him. The executive director of the commission is
6: on the way. How are you, Mr. President?
7: I'm doing good. Looks like you still keep things busy and going. I'm
6: doing my best. I, it was good to see you at the thing back
7: in January that the collectives did. Yeah, there's there's lots of uh, opportunities for the um, community to come together now that we we know what needs to be done. I wholeheartedly agree.
6: Well, Eddie, I won't let you get on with Mr. President. It was good to talk to you. You know you can uh, let me know anytime you want me on, and uh, if I, 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 as obvious, I'm on the Sound Transit board meeting now, and we're talking. Uh, but I'll come on anytime you need me, sir.
0: Okay, yeah, President, we certainly appreciate you. appreciate the work you're doing. And,
2: and Ed, you know you you had that proposal for the trade mission, so I'm waiting to hear back from you.
6: You know what? It's been I, it's, I've been like a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs, Hayward. I haven't forgotten about you.
0: Okay, thank you. All right. Okay, I want everybody to, to know that I, I, my, our next guest is uh, Jonathan Johnson, president of the Tacoma branch of the NAACP, and he's been working diligently with the Tacoma branch for quite a while. And uh, so, Jonathan, we just wanted to get your perspective, because, you know, you had the high-profile cases in Kane County, like uh, the Manuel Ellis case, and then the one with the sheriff accusing uh, Cedric Alzheimer. Uh, who was delivering papers and making an honest living of uh, threatening his life. So uh, I just wanted you to comment. First of all, you were on a a couple of, some people know you and others don't. So if you could just give folks about a minute of the background and talk about how you guys are addressing those issues right in your own backyard.
7: Well, thank you, thank you, Eddie. Uh, My name is uh, Jonathan Johnson. I come to this area from uh, my military experience. And my first uh, Military assignment. I found out what, how racism works, even in a very well-run organization in the military, uh, and I've seen it throughout my uh, military life as well as in my comm- my uh, life as a civilian. I've been in the area since the '70s, and been working with the NAACP since uh, 2009. And we are just we're really excited about the good things. But the more you know, the more you see that's wrong, and so the, the things that are that are going on in our world just represent what work needs to be done, and, and there's a lot of it.
0: Now, what, uh, do you have any information, additional information on the Emanuel Ellis situation or the Mister Alzheimer's situation
7: with the sheriff? Well, in in both of those, in both of those cases, what's been going on uh, right now for the Emanuel Ellis, we're waiting for information from the attorney general's office. Uh, we have not gotten any final uh, statement yet from uh, from them. I do know that for the uh, case with our uh, sheriff, uh, there's an investigator has been assigned and also that um, uh, the sheriff agreed to make some statements uh, and, and to take some reparation uh, activities. I don't know if those things have taken place, but we're you know, We want to make sure that our people, our residents, are safe. And if we have a belief system that anyone black at 2 in the morning is dangerous to everybody and is a threat to us, that's not the kind of a person who needs to be running the show. However, if that person recognizes he had a blind spot and is able to move forward, we'll take a look and see what can be done. But we haven't seen that yet. We're looking for it, but we haven't seen it yet.
0: And what other, uh, and I'd also like to have you comment on uh, on the, the current uh, situation now with the Derek Chauvin verdict, uh, and then all the shootings since then, and it seems to be all black folks, and all the shots seem to be uh, not ever to incapacitate shoot somebody in the leg or an arm, but always to kill them. You know, uh,
7: Eddie, I... Uh, The the thing I mentioned when I first came in the Army, there was a young soldier who got beat uh, 19 stitches on his face, and a commander decided not to do anything, uh, and I took a stand, and I actually left the battalion because of that. I have never been one to be silent on things like that. But as you see, the situations that are going on are bigger than any one individual. Chauvin being convicted and sent to jail is, you know, that's, that's necessary, but it's not the only thing that needs to be done. He's operating on a belief system that is throughout this country. That belief system allows the kinds of things that happen on a daily basis. Uh, it, it's sad that we in 2021 are still fighting the same battles we were fighting in 1970 1960 and 1954 you can fix all the programs and the policies you want to but if you don't fix the belief system if you don't fix that that thing that you operate on without thinking you're going to continue to have these kinds of things going on over and over and
0: uh, I know there's been, there been any other activity. I know there was a, a silent march uh, last month. I know uh, Pastor Braxton was one of the speakers. And uh, I was just curious if there has been any additional information. I haven't talked to Attorney James Mal, who's representing the Ellis family. But I was just wondering if anything else was happening there. Or with uh, the altar, I guess I was told uh, by uh, Lyle quasim that uh, I guess the Sheriff had, uh, uh, Troyer had, 500 emails of support on his position, but I'm still trying to figure out uh, how his wife must feel by telling Mr. Alzheimer, he's not racist, his wife is black, when in fact his wife is a Pacific Islander. But if he said your life is being threatened and then change your mind, I guess you can change your mind on what color your wife is, which is kind of funny.
7: You know, I I see that situation. I don't know uh, the sheriff personally. I knew the person, the, the, the previous sheriff, personally, and he made an effort to know who I was. Uh, I think that was an important thing in any organization. If you don't know who the people are who are providing the kinds of life and death service, anytime someone walks into your office or walks into your uh, place of uh, residence with life and death on their hip, if you don't have a sense of respect for the people that you come into the room with, you, you, you are a very big danger to the society. We have a multicultural society, and yet we still have this belief system that the only culture that works, the only culture that counts, is the one that has the big gun. We need to be better. We can be better. Uh, there are models of how that can be done, but until we get to the point where we're no longer believing that I am the answer. By the way, by the way that's idolatry. If I have all the answers and you must look up to me and you can never question me, we're in a very dangerous place. Because uh, uh, as I as I read the word, it says, we're all sinners and we've all fallen short. So how can you say that you are the voice that can never be challenged? Uh, you have to have a little credibility in the community, and there's no credibility and trust when you do those kinds of things.
0: Well, I know the former sheriff, uh, P- Sheriff Pastor, was like a member of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. I mean, I used to see him at the meetings regularly. So he definitely had some affinity for the community and also sought understanding and would sit down and, and accept criticism and would not get huffed up and puffed up and leave. So I have a lot of respect for him. It's too bad he had he retired because uh, he's the kind of sheriff that I think most people need. And he is a white man. Okay, I'll let everybody know this listening. And I mean, he was, but he was a decent human being and we have don't have enough of him, but he was, certainly was one. So what are, what are the other uh, things that you guys are working on right now with Tacoma NAACP? I know you were involved with uh, the Axel program over there and doing some other things with education. Because I remember at one event, you were handing out computers to students.
7: Absolutely, and and we, you know, we have, because of COVID, have had uh, our activities the way that we were doing, providing computers and, and working with, with kids has been slowed down, but we're still working to get our youth uh, involved. We serve with uh, several other organizations in education, the Black Collective Education Committee, the Black Education Strategy Roundtable. Uh, we realize that no one organization can do it all. You have to have Uh, You know, in in military terms, Eisenhower with a platoon would never have been able to uh, have the invasion and win. We -hmm. have to have the entire community. We need to have people really focused on what the ultimate goal is. And if the ultimate goal is to have peace and to have a a community that is self-sufficient and being creative in how we're solving problems, we do that by hearing one another, by working with one another, and creating space where we can sit down and disagree. And if we can't do that, we're headed to a a space like the wild, wild west, and we're seeing more of that every day, where people think they're right, and therefore they take their gun and they solve, quote, solve the problem with a gun. We can do better. Yes, Must do better. There is no Uh way for this great society to survive uh, as a divided house. Okay.
0: Tacoma NAACP President Jonathan Johnson, thank you very much for your time today. Could you leave uh, our listeners with your contact information or the contact information for the Tacoma NAACP?
7: For the Tacoma NAACP, if you'll go to 253-NAACP, that is our website. Uh, If you'll go to uh, my email address is j o h n S O J L one five one three at gmail dot com. Uh, you know, we have a lot of work to do. All of our work is done voluntary and through committees. So if you wanna be a member, that's fine. But if you wanna be a member and get some change in our society, come volunteer. We got some work for you.
0: Okay, and I'll make sure 70 puts that up on the Urban Forum Northwest website so people can also use that to access you. So, President Jonathan Johnson, thank you very much for all your hard work and for your service to
7: the people. I really appreciate your service because without information, nothing can get done. So thank you for providing that.
0: All right, President Johnson, thank you very
7: much. All right, bye-bye. Okay,
0: Okay, and Urban Forum Northwest wants to give a shout-out to – me and Rice, Diversity Contracting Officer, the Port of Seattle, uh, Sound Transit, uh, Leslie Jones, Chief of Labor, and uh, uh, i are gonna also have the new Civil Rights Director on uh, in the next couple of weeks. City of Seattle's Purchase and Destruction Services Office, Leslie Alzira, Concourse Concessions, with Dave Fukuhara, CTAC Bar Group, with Jerry Whitsett, and Rod O'Neill, and Stephanie Ogle does our website. And Hayward Evans and uh, Eddie Wright, will see you again on next Thursday at two o'clock.
4: List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend Port PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com.
5: Why sit in bumper to bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tequila, and the airport. Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress.